tonight on This Week in Moab. It is my just so happy uh, task today, my joy, to have in the studio, live in person, uh, Mayor Emily Niehaus, City Manager Joel Linares, and also Finance Director Ben Billingsley from the City of Moab to help us understand the property taxation increase before the voters. And that's today. That's right now, right here on This Week in Moab. And I thank you for joining us here today. Top of Rocky Road, let's get you on the mic, Ben. Say hello. Hello. Yeah, this is my first time here. And Joel... Hi. How are you? I am really well, and it's good to see you in person. It always seems like a treat now, and it's not uh, through the intermediary of a device. I agree. And Emily, hi. Hi, Christy. My goodness, here we are at this point in time. The summer is screaming by. It's almost time for school to start happening. We'll have a new school to do it in, won't we? This year, the middle school and and so many things about infrastructure and the changes of the complexion of Moab that have brought us to this point. Uh, the city of Moab, I understand, has had a property tax in place for many decades since 1992, which, just an aside, is the by the numbers year that the bust ended and the boom began. The year that the boom began, the city set a property tax at a rate of zero, meaning that Moab property owners have not paid property tax to the city for almost 30 years, which I'm sure they've all been very grateful for all this time. Uh, But I find, just by reading the site here at Moab City, that Moab's only one of four places in Utah that doesn't levy a general property tax to pay for city services. Uh, We've typically done this in other ways, and so we're going to use that to, uh, you know, jump in with with saying that all those uh, other three cities uh, have levied a special property tax to pay for law enforcement. And both of those factors uh, make a difference, don't they, Emily? We'll start with you. Okay. Well, thanks, Christy, for having us up here to talk about property tax. Um, you're right. 30 years ago, um, it was decided to bring the tax rate to 0%. And, um, and I have a question for you to start off the interview as well. Oh. What were you doing 30 years ago, say in City Hall? Turning, uh, let's see, you're turning the tables early, early in the game, <laughs> Mayor Emily. Well played, well played. Well, okay, so for full disclosure, mm-hmm. uh, in 1987, I was appointed to fulfill the remainder of a post from a departing city council person and then was elected in that following election. So right about the time when Moab was really having to examine itself. And, and make some choices about what was coming down the pike because by then we could kind of see, oh, oh, uh, you know, got a glimpse of its future. It was wearing, uh, you know, lycra shorts and wraparound <laughs> sunglasses and looking for houses to flip and coming this way. And so people had a clue. Uh-huh. But I, I would say that the scale and scope and intensity of, of what was coming was uh, making any of the planning 
and the scoping that happened then, the many master plans, the endless meetings, the fretting about housing, mm-hmm. um, come come to much sufficiency. I think so. Uh, that's that's where I was for a little bit there, that long ago. Well, and it's so interesting. So we've been talking about um, how 30 years ago, the leaders of this community said, we're going to bring the property tax to 0%. And you were one of them we, alongside Dave Beerscheid and um, Ma- uh, Mayor Tom Ma- Stocks. Mayor Tom Stocks and Dave Sackerson. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so- maybe Bill McDougald. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's really interesting to me is I've been asking, was the bringing the rate to 0% 30 years ago a effort to incentivize or to provide relief to the residents and businesses of the city of Moab? I think it, uh, almost everything went over to the greater public overall by, by having it be forward-thinking and incentivizing growth. I would say that the the context of development in the West in general was very much framed by development as improvement. So with that caveat, I would say both, both, Mm -hmm. uh, in hopes that it would perhaps allay uh, having to make a change before it became a pressured environment. Yeah, yeah. And so, as I recall, a little bit of both. Well, what's so interesting is when we think about business, and let's say you're a t-shirt salesperson, because (laughs) that's one of the businesses here in Moab. So you're selling t-shirts, and you want to um, increase revenue and take a chance, and you've got some stock available, so what do you do? You put t-shirts on 30% off in order to move through your inventory and move through, you know, um, your season, and um, and uh, and then at the end, you know, when when the season's over, you get new shirts and you put them back on the rack at full retail. And so, what Moab City never did was reinstate a property tax, you know, and reinstate that percentage. And so, if if we were providing some relief, but really looking for a way to incentivize that development 30 years ago, Um, the development of, well, I won't say industrial tourism, I'll just say a tourism-based economy. Um, Then uh, the goal was, uh, you know, to to get through that moment. And um, what we never did was we never put the t-shirts back at full retail. You know, Mm. we never, we never kind of said, all right, well, it's time to, you know, bring the rate back up. And I know there was some, um, there were some interesting uh, maneuvers of the city at the time and, and Mayor Tom to try to um, introduce a business license fee in lieu of a property tax rate. Um, and there was some mess with that. But otherwise, um, uh, when all that was said and done, the rate still didn't, you know, d- didn't increase. So we've been set at zero for 30 years. And, um, uh, you know, I get calls daily, emails daily, texts daily about um, how Moab City is going to 
take a harder look at enforcement and potholes, everything from enforcement to potholes and everything in between. And so in order for us to address the needs of the community, we have to look at the revenue stream that we have. And this past year, this, this year of lessons with the, with the COVID, um, what we learned most was that if we depend 100% on our uh, sales tax as our you know, primary revenue source, then we're gonna be in trouble if something like this happens again. We're rural, we're remote, we're scrappy uh, as a community, but we also have to be realistic when we think about how we're taking care of ourselves. So in so much as we need to grow more food locally, we also need to invest in ourselves. And I mean, never did I think I'd be like, you know, prop and property tax. Um, well, but, I'm glad but to here see I am. you, you know, look you in the eye and see the truth of that. Um, because, and it's very interesting to hear you talk about it because in fact, the motive when you're talking, I read also on the site, you should check it out if you just tuned in talking about property tax. Uh, but the motive behind it to kind of allay some of the imbalance that, that, um, putting all your eggs in one basket is one, how, uh, how one elder would have put it before, when it was perhaps the bust of uranium and saying, you know, beware, don't put all your, so a diversified economy was the hue and cry. I'm sure it has been the hue and cry throughout the boom and bust cycle throughout Moab's history. Uh, but that's what you're talking about again. Again, 30 years later. Yep. And so we have to, you know, when we talk about economic diversification, it's not just different types of recreation. It's a breadth of different types of industry. Now, we're lucky because we celebrate businesses in the community like Glowgerm, like Synergy, um, and, um, and, and other businesses that are not necessarily related to recreation, but um, are probably businesses that were, well, I know definitely businesses that were developed here because people lived here because they chose this place because of its spectacularness. And the community said, look, let's go for light industry, shall we? Right. Something that's lighter on the land. And uh, the scale and scope fooled us, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because... It has extractive tolls of its own uh, on the community that I think, even with all the planning, was a little bit unforeseen. And so I know that sales tax rose to try and you know mitigate the difference and bring some balance there. And people's values really have sort of steadily climbed. And so there have been uh, taxes associated with living here, uh, but the let's let's get specific let's get specific <laughs> what do we want to say about how much money is needed i saw there was a tiered approach for what was going to do it and what it was for who wants to tackle that that sounds like correspondent ben billingsley yeah i'm happy to go there thank you you know i don't think there's a magic number i don't think we can say X, X dollars, one or two million dollars a year is going to fix the problems that, we, that we'd like to address, that we've identified. Um, but what we do know is that we have a backlog. 
you have a backlog of, I mean, everything from, from public safety, from infrastructure that you see and that you don't see. And we have depleted resources. So our rainy day fund, um, it's really taken a hit in the last year. And those are things that they're going to take time to recover. And the higher a rate, I mean, should the council choose to adopt a property tax rate, the higher that that is, the quicker that recovery will come, the quicker we'll be able to move forward some of those projects that have been delayed up to this point. It's hard to imagine a thing less popular for some reason. (laughs) Uh, So when someone asks you, you know, I I hear you speak this about potholes and yes, Uh, and we know... uh, the force, the police force is a big part of its picture. It's been expressed as one of the needs. We also, as a community, were witness to, is it seven officers that left in a very short period of time uh, for reasons that uh, are, you know, making people quite curious. But nevertheless, you've got now any of those positions filled how are you talking about using the uh, increase? Would it go straight to that? Um, go deeper. Joel, would you mind? So ultimately, that's a question for a council on a year-in and year-out basis. We adopt a budget every year. Those funds that we receive through our revenue streams are allocated in that budget process. So from a staff perspective, it's hard for us to say this is how we'll, this money will be spent because we don't control that whatsoever. It's, that's always a council decision. We can give where we think it should be, but ultimately they get to decide. Um, Policing is one area, infrastructure is another, and Randy Day Fund is where Ben has already hit, where we think as a staff we need to focus our attention. Um, We started a capital improvements list when when I got here three years ago and really organized that, and we project we're about $60 million in the hole on capital improvements, and currently... That was an M, right? A million. Yeah. Yep. And so currently we operate under the sales tax funding that we receive and we use that to run the day in and day out operations of the business. And we run a very lean city. I don't think anyone who looks at our books and our budgets would disagree with that. Our numbers in our departments are lower than they've been for the five years previous to us all being here. We've cut and cut and cut, but it ultimately our infrastructure is failing in a lot of areas and we have water breaks and sewer breaks routinely at this point and we're just banded band-aid after band-aid after band-aid and at some point those projects can't be delayed any longer and we're reaching that point and it's a question of what do you buy with tax dollars right you you, you buy society that's what we pay for with tax money and what society do you want to live in if we don't want to increase revenue streams to better our, the society that we're looking for then we have to replace our dollars that we already have in other places. And if we're going to go that route, we can. But at that point, we're doing water, sewer, public safety, and that's what we're going to have to focus in on and start delivering those services. It's what we're legally required to deliver, and it's what we need to survive in the desert. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, at some point, though, those projects are going to come home to roost where we have to put the money there, and other projects are just going to have to go altogether in order to make this happen. Yes, and typically we wait until it's quite visible before we, uh, often anyway in Moab's history, take action. But uh, we're talking now about covering services that are impacted by Moab's booming tourism industry, which has, by many accounts, had sort of an acute 
uh, rise in the last five years. Um, and that doesn't look to be slowing down. So can you talk a little bit about the services that are impacted? And Absolutely. Throw me a little so data. It does feel that way, and I agree with that completely. Um, almost three years ago, two and a half years ago, we changed our land use codes, and we no longer allow overnight accommodations. And we've not permitted a new or no overnight accommodation in the city of Moab since February of 2019. So the build-out in the hotels you're seeing today are vested projects that were here at that time. And we're getting to the end of those. We're getting to where you're not going to see new hotels going up. But you don't see a single hotel that has been permitted since 2019. So I want to be clear. I, I get that it feels like we're still getting overrun because we are. But we've tried to rein that in. And I think we've got that kind of here. We just got to wait for it to catch up at this point. But with that, we no longer are collecting impact fees from those investments of those hotels and everything. And that money is, that revenue stream is stopping. Everyone says the tourists should pay for it. The tourists should pay for it. They have been. That's what we've been doing. And that's how we've got to this point of 30 years without a property tax. Mm -hmm. But if we're no longer going to permit hotels, which we're going on three years of not doing, and we're no longer going to collect those fees through those routes, that revenue has to come somewhere else to keep operations happening. And so that's why we started looking for other streams. It's why we put forward the RAP tax, which was passed by the citizens um, last November and put towards the Recreation Arts and Parks, which is amazing. And we're looking forward to start collecting that and getting to use it. But we just have to get revenue streams elsewhere if we're not going to go the tourist-based economy route. And I want to say, the, the mayor just stated several businesses and how diversified our economy is in Moab. For the city, we are a rec business as much as anyone else where we're only collecting sales tax we are beholden to that industry because that's where all of our revenue is coming from mm -hmm. and so as we try and regulate that industry as we start doing no more overnight accommodations we're not permitting hotels you know we have to find a different revenue stream and a different way to live and a different way for us to be able to provide those services than we have historically if that's what we're moving away from and what we're being told is that's what we want to move away from. And so we're trying to provide that. Boy, I tell you, I just feel like I'm in a time warp and I'm sitting <laughs> around a city council meeting a while ago and hearing people talk <laughs> about how it's a fork in the road, my my friends. And uh, it's 5.20, only 20 minutes in, and we're this deep into the layer cake of the, or shall I say pie, and how we cut it um, when it comes to taxes and what really needs our attention? Uh, to the numbers, if Moab City were to levy a property tax rated to generate this top tier, the most aggressive approach at this would be $3.3 in revenue, uh, and the total property tax bill would increase by 20%, which is not nothing. Uh, would represent, however, t about 26% of the total taxes collected by Grand County. So um, let's talk about why why that's exciting and enough and, um, yeah, enough. What's that? So <laughs> all of this process is governed by the state statutes that are passed by our legislature. And one of the requirements right out the gate is we have to, early in this process, set a ceiling for what we can ask for. And so 3.3 million was that number that was set as that's as high as we can go. That's the most request we can make with the way we chose to structure our approach. Um, the thing that gets 
lost or people aren't realizing, we, we love to focus on the idea of how this affects residential units because that's what we all have and that's what we're paying. The thing we want to remember is the commercial properties will pay this too. And that can be hard on the businesses who are locally owned and operated. But that also applies to the hotels that are, be, that, are built, that are not paying a property tax to the city of Moab. They come in, they pay that initial impact fee for their initial impact, and then they operate for 20, 30 years in the city limits and never pay us for services again other than water and sewer. And I can tell you from our police reports, we have police responding to those, EMS is responding to those, roads are being built to those facilities still, and they're not covering any of those costs. And we don't think that that's right. And the other thing, these property taxes will apply to second homes. And there are second homes in the city boundary that they're not paying any tax to the city. And if they're only coming to Moab one week a year, they're definitely not paying enough sales tax to justify the services they're getting from the city. And so, you know, when we really got looking into this, it became clear to us that the people who were really getting the free ride out of no property tax was second homeowners, first and foremost, and then hotels. And we felt the price that they were getting away with didn't offset what the benefit that the citizens were getting out of the no property tax. And it's important to note because this is the question that we keep um, answering from citizens. Why can't you just tax those groups? Why do you have to tax everyone? And that's, um, that's just the rule. If you implement a property tax, everybody that owns property pays for it. However, we know with our Grand County bill that as a resident, we're, we're charged 55% of the full property tax amount as primary residents, but then um, businesses and second homeowners are actually charged 100% of the property tax levied. So we get a break as primary residents and we're able to collect on the those in our community that we've been saying need to pay. And there's kind of a, a, a double break. The county assessor does your assessment of your property, and they have a fair market value, and they have a taxable value, and that taxable value is always less than the fair market value of what you could sell it for, and then you only get assessed at 55% of that amount. So there's kind of a two-tier break if you're a primary resident homeowner. Um, and then also if there's hardships and financial hardships, there's programs in place for people who need assistance and need time and ways to pay their property tax who can't afford to pay it. There's, those programs are in place as well. Yeah, and that's probably a good time to mention um, the property tax notices actually went out this weekend. So this is a timely, timely discussion here. That property tax notice does contain the information on what homeowners would need to do if they need some property tax relief. A number to appeal or otherwise negotiate. Fantastic. And we're, we're government nerds, so we really like looking at our property tax assessment, but I suggest everyone do it. They're, they're pretty fascinating. Especially this year. Yeah. Uh, and if you're a graph nerd, you can just nerd out so well with the uh, capital project funding grid on the XY there for $60 million in capital improvements in the next five years, uh, the backlog. Um, for the primary basic infrastructure that is so easy to take for granted and we so miss it when it isn't there, such as water, sewer, roads, and uh, as we've said before here in this program, uh, long deferred. So in this graph, it's talking about just how 
much we can get by being aggressive. Uh, if we go at this lowest level, $1 million revenue level, it would do, oh, just shy of 30% of those projects. Um, and so I, I'm reminded when I look at this of the, uh, well, of the Atlas tailings pile and how funding really affected. How many actual car loads uh, or truckloads could uh, depart the station there on the river? Uh, so it's a direct corollary, and I'm curious when at this lower level, let's say people say yes, but not everything, let's go slow, what does that mean for 29%? You would keep it there and just do with that and only get 30% of it done while it... D describe that scenario for me. Yeah, I want, I, I want to be clear to the... The way that this has been presented, we're talking about nine major projects off that $60 million list. Nine, correct? Correct. And so when we're talking, if we get the full $3.3 in that five year, we can complete those nine projects off that capital improvements list. It's not the list in its entirety. There, that list will take us 20 to 30 years. And it, I see. And I want to also be clear that we're talking about the core of Moab. You know, these are the lines that are running through center and third, third east. You know, like this is the stuff that was built in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s that then was capped and has not been redone since then. You know, the irony of this is that the hotels and these areas, they came in and they were required to put in their infrastructure, and so they're all running off new lines for the most part, except for where they tie into the old system at the beginning or the end. So when we say we need to do these infrastructure projects, we're talking about these services going to the citizens of Moab. We're not talking about expanding services out into the north into town where we could build more hotels. We're talking about redoing water and sewer lines on 3rd South and the, the streets uh, in the core of Moab. And I think the streets is where the citizenry really see that something needs done. We get to see the water breaks every day. And we get to see our guys getting called out and working on those in the middle of winter, December, standing in a pit, you know, hip deep water, and it's 10 degrees outside, and that goes on for three straight days. And But the public doesn't really ever get to see it. They can see the roads, and we get calls all the time, fix this pothole, fix this road. Why have you not built this new road? It's not as easy as that. I wish it was. Our problem is if we go in and build a new $300,000 road in front of the middle school, for example, and that, that needs a new road. That's a brand new, beautiful school. All that heavy equipment's been going in and out of there building that school. That road's, it's pretty bad. Well, it also needs water and sewer lines. And so if we go in there and put $300,000 on a road project, but in three weeks, our water lines are breaking underneath it. We're back in there tearing it up to get to that water line. So you have to do all three at once, really, to justify your cost. You have to put the water, the sewer, and then cap it with the road in order to get the most for your money. We can go in and do roads, but they'll only last a, a very short period before we have to tear them up to get to the old infrastructure that's underneath them. What's great is that uh, if you go onto moabcity.org site, you can see how and who is slated to receive the property taxes that we already pay. And then, you know, it, it helps, I think. Visual aids, ah, so helpful. Um, just exactly what that 20% increase would go to. And for people that want to know, you know, why add a property tax when sales tax revenues are high, there are a lot of things to say. Not even the pandemic is outside 
the topic. Yeah. Uh, so the city's going to see an increase in revenue of about $900,000? That's an approximation, yeah. Okay. And, and so the pandemic-related shortages, tell, tell us a little bit about that, how this relates. Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, initially, when the pandemic started, we were kind of at a loss, uh, very scared, had uh, hardly any revenue coming in whatsoever, not sure how we were even going to make ends meet. Um, strapped our belt tighter and really got things together at the city and made sure we could operate on a bare minimum income. And that's kind of what we've been doing. We've been on a spending freeze and a hiring freeze all the way up until June of this year since the start of the pandemic. pandemic. So for 14 months, we've been doing that. And so it definitely had an impact on those. The problem with the assessment that $900,000 in revenue is going to come in on top of our sales tax this year is kind of twofold. We're the only city in Utah that doesn't charge a property tax. Those other three that don't also, they have special service districts and other taxes that they are lev le levying and collecting. So they don't have a property tax, but they're doing other things outside of sales tax to generate revenue. For us, we're the only ones not doing anything outside of sales tax. So those other cities are doing property tax and sales tax. So I think in Moab, we kind of get this idea sometimes, well, we collect sales tax. Yeah. And so do... So does every other city who's also collecting property tax to make their projects go. And we're still only doing one of them. And so we need to do both for that reason. The $900,000 in addition on top of the sales tax revenue offsets that impact that mm -hmm. comes with that. And that's what kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Yes, we're getting $900,000 because our tourism's up 20%. But that 20% increase in tourism comes with additional road use, additional water use, additional sewer use. And Additional, additional law enforcement. Additional law enforcement. Additional Especially this year. Additional impacts to our parks. I mean, drive by Swanee any given weekend or any given weekday and see how many people are in Swanee and that additional trash services. So that additional revenue that comes with that additional visitation usually gets absorbed with providing additional services levels that come with that additional visitation. It's not going towards that core Moab infrastructure project that we needed to. It's diffuse. And, and I can still hear old Moab, uh, who's come through so much to get to this point and for a while had the fruits of its labors without, without too much uh, impact. You know, we look back and we can say, wow, it's really somewhat of a trade-off these days, uh, especially for those who have aged in place and given so much of their time to help make Moab flourish. Um, some of these people can barely afford to stay here, even though their houses are paid off. And so that old story about being priced out, it's sadly, it's here today. What do you tell people who can't afford a new tax? Um, we want to talk about who's eligible. Um, who who exactly we've got we've got there's a thing called a circuit breaker even what's that well let me let me go back to answer your question about um those who can't afford a new tax um what i've been saying to everybody is take a beat look at your own property tax whether you're a resident or a commercial business Look at your own property tax, look at the proposed increase, and see if it fits within your, your reality, your world, your budget. Um, 
I think for most of us, it does. I think that we have an abundance uh, in Moab. We have been lucky um, and um, we have been fortunate with the growth of, you know, this tourism economy. Um, and, and I do think that we, uh, we need to be really careful not to generalize for others whether or not this property tax is going to be, um, you know, something that breaks the bank. Um, if somebody is in hardship, there are resources for that person. But for us to say, well, I don't want to support the tax because there might be somebody out there that can't afford it. Mm. What I'd like to know is, you know, is there, you know, I, I, I want to ask people to look, look at your property tax notice. Look at it for your residents. Look at, look at it for your business. And if you think there is going to be a hardship, then let's have that conversation. But otherwise, to generalize and say maybe there's some elderly person that can't afford it, I don't think that's a fair argument for not implementing a property tax at this time. There are resources available for those that might find hardship, just there as there is with all other things. We would be one line on the entire property tax notice that Grand County gives uh, out every every year in November. I'm looking at a sample property tax notice right now and looking I, if if my numbers are correct here. These are you know, sort of a median a uh, medium priced home uh, for its valuation and the taxable value. Oh, perhaps 155,000. And so we're talking about 20% of that, correct? Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, and the people that might find themselves in a position, uh, you know, there's already these categories of people who are eligible. You know, you see over 66 is what the, uh, what they call this uh, oh, circuit breaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's not just that, but disabled vets, low-income people, um, certain income requirements, people in the armed forces. So it seems like there are some avenues uh, for relief. And I'm wondering if one of you, it's like a pop quiz time. Ben, <laughs> do you know the number of the Grand County Clerk's Office? I do not. <laughs> The phone number? Yes. <laughs> three, two, one, go is your clue. It's 259-1321, or you can visit grandcountyutah.net and find out about tax abatements for additional information. And then there's, okay, listeners, I know, can we take a breath? There's going to be a uh, truth in taxation meeting. And so if you crave transparency and who doesn't these days, anyone in this room not craving transparency? <laughs> I, I Are we craving transparency? I crave transparency. Oh, all the time. We just depend on it, don't we? And so talk about the meeting. It says it even in the name. When is it? Where is it? Why is it? Yeah, I can speak to that. So August 4th, coming up here at 6 p.m. This is a very, it's a formal public meeting. So this is where the public actually has their has the chance to express their opinion to the council. No decisions will be made 
in that meeting. So this is it's really just the opportunity for the public to be heard, uh, their opinion on the topic. I think it's and it's also a one way. The council will be listening. That's the, the that's the format of a public hearing. So it's not a place for community to come for answers. It's it is the time for community to come with statements. Open mic, they call that in Radio Land. <laughs> there will be a community open mic. There will be a real that's life right. truth in taxation public hearing August fourth. That's coming up oh so quickly. Six PM at the Moab City Council Chambers. And call uh, for poets and musicians. Oh wonderful. Spice it up. Oh, I might have to come down and wax poetic about the you know, the importance of um, well quietude. I don't know what it's going to well, be. And I would love for you to come, Christy, because you were part of that original leadership team that said, let's bring the tax rate to 0%. <laughs> so I want to hear from you. I want to hear from Dave Beerscheid. You know he's full of opinion. So Dave, if you're listening right now, this is a call out to you to come August 4th. I want to hear from Mayor Dave, because he's been watching over the past four years, you know, thinking a lot, I'm sure, uh, reflecting on his term as, you know, his three year, three terms as mayor. Um, I'm sure he's got some opinion about property tax. I, 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 I can't imagine if Donna Metzler would come, but wouldn't that be a hoot to hear what Donna Metzler might have to say? She's the former city manager, um, served for, gosh, like 20 years, right? Right, a long time in to uh, work for the problems that we have today. That's right. <laughs> what uh, if if you are listening right now and you remember City Hall when it was in what is now occupied by Utah State University? Um, I would love to hear what you think about the implementation of a property tax. Um, I think that um, that historical perspective is so valuable. Mm. Um, in how we are telling our story about Moab and about where we are today and where we were 30 years ago. And, you know, when we, we talk about the vision of Moab, um, usually visioning is like one year, five year, maybe you get to 10 years, and like 20 is like, that's like you can only imagine, right? This was 30 years ago. I'm sure that, that this wasn't you know, even conceivable. Well, the context of the time, you know, I think Moab uh, had the rarest of opportunities in the sort of gaping uh, rustscape that was the decline of the uranium mining boom uh, into bust. It, it, it was uh, a different world. It was truly a different world at that time, where now the... Uh, We've succeeded with that vision. Some might have even called it a bad dream. You know, how are we in the world going to fund? And so to make the space amenable to, to become an amenities economy was the result. And so, uh, you know, a new a reforming is surely called for because here we have it. And uh, it's a solution that created so many... Uh, problems without easy solutions in sight. Okay, so we have these unintended consequences of being a tourism-based economy, but you know what else we have that I think we've lost sight of? We live in one of the most amazing places 
on this planet. Delicate Arch, I argue, is one of the most beautiful moments on this planet. It's fantastic. And we as residents of this city and of this valley, because of the decisions that were made 30 years ago, we are in a unique position to be of service to the world and be able to say, hey, look at this place. Come here, take a break, and enjoy what we get to enjoy every day. And if we can reshape how we feel about being a service-based community, where service is a good word instead of this nasty industrial tourism um, paradigm that I think is at odds with who we are as Moab. I think then we can get to a better place where we are, uh, you know, nested again in a home where we are filled with quality of life and community. And wouldn't that be nice? But we have to take care of ourselves. And I mean, saying that property tax is the way to get back to that place I don't know. I mean, maybe that's a stretch. But um, maybe, you know, how do we take care of ourselves? How do we do that? Um, Well, we, we start to detangle ourselves from being beholden 100% to sales tax dollars. We just start taking care of ourselves so that we can be of service to, to others to ourselves, to those in our community, and those that visit this magnificent place. Mm -hmm. I'll bet you that you get an awful lot of feedback with people doing visioning that uh, fits who we think we are now. That's one of the things that was happening back then, is who do we want to be? And what a rare chance it was to be able to say, well, we have a lot to consider. It's not just uh, what wilderness means exactly, uh, or rebuilding a kind of devastated cultural and economic uh, picture, it, we had to consider the land itself and what access means and, and how to take care of that. I think more than a lot of other communities in the West to have so much writing on those choices then and, and say we don't want it to become um, an enclave for only the wealthy. We have to keep this place weird. It's incumbent <laughs> upon us, we must, uh, to make it a place where people can both, you know, prosper and, and be themselves. When it was uh, everybody poor here and isolated, I, I'm going to go ahead and say, since I'm spinning, thank you, that uh, it helped. It helped because everybody had a in the same boat kind of you know and um yeah there there was and there still is a uh, a caring spirit that is still here um but it's sort of feeling under threat a little bit by the tenor of the um the heat even of some of that visitation the quality of it has changed and uh, a heart of service is hard to keep open um, in certain circumstances. I'm, I hope I'm not being too vague about that, but it's been 
a shift in the tenor of visitation. Um, yeah, okay, off the soapbox if you've just tuned in. <laughs> so sweet of you to keep it tuned. Uh, Christy, with opinions of her own, on a public <laughs> affairs program known as This Week in Moab. But Emily started it. I did. When she turned the tables, and it became a kind of a Moab City Council alum meeting about what are we going to do because the needs are great. You said that there were nine projects, Joel. It's pop quiz time. What are they? All nine of them? Yeah, well, sure. Maybe. I know Ben can. Oh. Cane Creek. Yeah, I was going to say start oh. with Cane Creek. 400 East. Yep. Pear Tree Lane. 400 East Bridge. Mm-hmm. Pear Tree and Rainbow, Rainbow Drive are the two unpaved roads still in the city. Mm-hmm. Then there's the, there's a little bit of confusion of the Center Street East. That's that's a clunky. 300 South Infra- Green Infrastructure Project. I think that was nine. Is that not what you got? Well, in I lost total. count, but my, my I was uh, just seeing both visions of a more functional and verdant community and also dollar signs just spinning. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you can help do the math and contribute your thoughts, I'm sure that all of you receive an awful lot of um, phone calls and communications from public outside things like the Truth in Taxation public hearing meeting August 4th in the Moab City Council Chambers. You get it by email. You get it in the grocery store. Uh, What are some of the comments that are really hitting home for you? How are people in general receiving this ask? Um, I would say in general, people are not angry. Awesome. I am hearing that the, it feels to me that the overall sentiment is like, all right, we get it. Um, Don't, don't make it too much. You know, can we go with the lowest dollar amount, please? Um, that's, that's what I'm hearing. I, um, the usual suspects are definitely commenting. Um, and, um, and I'm grateful to hear from them, but, um, but I would say a, a, a true small minority is saying no more taxes, you know, no new property taxes, but of the people that have emailed or called, I have taken special interest to say, all right, let's just have a conversation. Give me an opportunity to explain a few things um, and then, you know, and then make your decision. And I have found that after having conversations like face to face, like we used to do, um, that um, most of the people that started as a don't, you know, don't raise my property taxes now support it. I think on our end, it's been more of what am I going to get for my money, which is a very fair question. And I think the one that everyone asks when they spend the dollar, what am I going to get for this? Mm-hmm. And I think the one that we've also received a lot is what is the process if they wanted to do this again in the future? And what is the process if they wanted to turn it back down? And the process is the same every year if they wanted to increase it once the council votes to set this rate at whatever they choose to do it works like a scale and on one side you have the rate and on one sky on one side you have the assessed values and they will adjust that rate the state will every year or the county and the state will adjust that rate every year so we get the same amount of money today we will get in 20 years and so it doesn't increase with inflation 
So even if housing prices climb and climb and climb like we've seen, they will then adjust our rate. They will cert- recertify our rate annually, and they'll turn that rate down so we keep getting the same dollar amount, basically, regardless of home. So I've had some people say to me or ask a question, so as housing prices increase, you guys will just make more money? And the answer to that is no, we won't. The only way we get more tax revenue outside of what is set in this year is to follow this same process next year and or the 10 years from now or 20 years from now and do the same process and ask again for an increase. We will get this amount from here on out until we ask for more. And so I think those are the main questions we get. Oh, the other question is, how do they turn it back down? Do you have to do a similar process to turn it back to zero or less? And the answer to that is no. The council can just vote to turn it back to zero or turn it down. You can only you only have to have the truth and taxation process to raise taxes, to decrease taxes. There's no real process other than a formal motion by the council when they adopt their certified tax rate. Which is maybe leading to why being aggressive makes some sort of fiscal sense. I, I think some would argue that the truth and taxation process has been a little too successful. I'm not saying I feel that way, but the point of truth and taxation was to make it so everyone could see every time their taxes were getting raised, which is great. That's how it should be. But what it kind of did was backfired, and it created a scenario where people who were elected to office didn't want to raise taxes and go through this process every year (coughs) 2% to keep up with inflation. So instead, they just chose not to raise taxes ever. And that's why you see situations where counties or cities are raising taxes 63% or 46% because they haven't raised them in 24 years, or in our case, 30 years. And so that's what created that. Oh, that feels deeply true somehow uh, about the courage required to, um, yeah, say something unpopular like that down on this hometown level. But hey now, it's small enough that we can trust each other to have a conversation, always has been, and... I maintain always will so Moab to have our say, don't you think? And you are being asked to come in to that meeting again August 4th. And uh, if you are just listening in and just tuned in, I'm Christy. I'm your host today for this week in Moab. And we've been speaking about money and the city and our future and some about our past with Mayor Emily Niehaus and City Manager Joel Linares and Finance Director Ben Billingsley. And what a pleasure it is, again, to have you come up and make it so clear, really. Um, where can people go? What, what are, give us your emails. Oh, hey, shall we just see? Oh, it's taking a chance. I say, why not? Oh, boy. I know. <laughs> Hi. Hi. You, you're live Hi. on KZMU and on the air. Oh, hi. Um, hey, we're on the highway, just driving into town. And I heard some idiot say that taxes haven't been raised in 24 years. What the hell? Oh, <laughs> well, you know, is this, is this John Wolf? Is this John Wolf? You're going to have to go back and listen because and up it's... And up. Uh, yes. Oh, I think that's John Wolf, and we're just going to, uh, like we said, take a beat and make sure, John, you know, that we're clear the city of Moab has had a property tax in place for many decades, but it was set at zero. 
meaning Moab property owners have not paid property tax to the city for almost 30 years. And so if you've just tuned in and you missed that and you're also hopping mad, Yosemite Sam, like our friend John Wolf, who just called in, then uh, don't be shy about it, but call your representatives for further information and go to that Truth in Taxation public hearing. Have your say. And that's the way. 6 p.m. August 4th, Moab City Council Chambers. And... Uh, it's live radio <laughs> right here at KZMU. Um, thanks, you guys. So uh, take us home. Wrap us up. What do we want to say kind of in response? You can feel the heat. Uh, I could kick us off. First, I want to say thanks, Christy, to you and all of the people that served in government before me that have set a path um, and, you know, we're, we're all hiking down the trail together. And, um, and uh, I just, I'm very grateful. I am full, filled with immense gratitude for the leadership that came before me because there was a vision in place of a way for us to be a prosperous Moab. And we are a prosperous Moab. So now we have a lot of things that we get to play with uh, to continue to shape this community. Um, I want to say how grateful I am to our city manager, Joel, who got us through the toughest year as a pandemic. We're so grateful to have him. He is such an awesome manager. And Ben, we're so grateful for you. You moved your family here. You were willing to take a chance on Moab. And I'm so grateful that you're here and providing us with all of the data and a fresh perspective, especially as we look to implement a property tax. This is really hard work, and it's really nice to have somebody in the community who doesn't have a bias, doesn't mourn old Moab, and can just say, all right, well, this is what it would look like, and these are the different rates, and, you know, can be... Um, you know, the, the, steady, the steady voice in this conversation. I'm really great for, grateful. Mm -hmm. um, so what are we gonna do now? The city council is the decider, the five members. I unfortunately don't get to vote um, as the mayor, but the five council members get to decide. So um, if anyone has a relationship with any one of them or wants to email all of them, there's a way to do that from Moab City uh, website um, to be heard. But let's have a fun public hearing. Let's do it. Let's have that open mic show up. You get three minutes. <laughs> so, you know, haiku, somewhere in between haiku and soft prose. Uh, but but I want to hear. I do. We do. We, we all want to hear, you know, what you know what an, what a, a property tax increase looks like so um but i want to hear from individuals about that individual i don't want to hear well what about the other people what about this or that i want to hear from individuals about their unique perspective using i statements are yes, we going please. there okay yes good. please it's so much simpler really. so much simpler and um and yeah, that's it. And then the council is going to make a decision and we're going to move forward and we're going to be continue to be a community striving for love 
and compassion. And I hope we do find that place where we can celebrate being of service again. Well, there are needs that uh, we have, and we have a history of rising to meet them for each other. So we shall see what happens next. Joel, do you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, I'd like to thank the community for being willing to have this dialogue more than anything. This is a very hard decision. I'd like to say that once you make it, then you're done making hard decisions, but it's not. Whether we choose to implement a new certified tax rate, uh, we will support that. And if we don't, the city and staff and administration will support that. And if we do, the hard decisions come as to which projects we're doing and how we spend this money and where we start rebuilding from uh, the beginning. And if we don't, where cuts need to be made in order to make these things still happen. So I've just it's been very civil. I haven't had anyone minus one phone call <laughs> uh, who have been nasty and they've all been really rational about it. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with having the policy argument that we don't need this and we should provide water, sewer, and public safety, and that's government's job. There's people who hold that position, and it's a respectable position. And, you know, those people who have been in that situation have been completely respectful to what we're doing, and those who are on the other side of the dialogue and who want us to do the 3.3 million have understood when we've explained why maybe that's not appropriate either. And it's just been really civil, and I want to say thank you for the dialogue that's been had, regardless of what happens. Thank you, Joel. I, I would be remiss if I didn't pause just for a moment and and ask you to quickly say now, if we did decide as a community uh, to fund at that full tier, it would go for five officers and help allay a... Uh, shortage there just shortly is that that's correct what, that's what we're proposing as a staff now ultimately if it goes at that 3.3 million council will decide where it's actually allocated and that's right more than likely they will follow what we're proposing and yes that is what we're proposing but I don't want to say yes that's what what the money will be used for because I don't have that say in this process that would be the advisory thank you for clarifying and and this brings us to Ben Billingsley who's here this how long have you been here Ben Oh, we moved in June. Um, I believe I've been in the position since April, so still fresh. That fresh car scent on, on the whole situation. Well, we welcome you to Moab. We hope it's a really wonderful time. You have a family. You have kids. How? What are their ages? I've got uh, seven-year-old twins <gasps> and uh, a newborn <laughs> baby, so he is a month old. He, we moved here four days after, after he was born. Well, then you're just going to want to know, because we so, are on KZMU, and we're coming right up to a thing called the Word of the Day, wherein school kids uh, tell us what is the Word of the Day. Your kids could be future DJs, seed planted. Thank you all <laughs> for being here today. Thanks, and, Christy. And uh, love Thank you, Moab. You. This is KZMU, 90.1 and 106.7 FM, Moab, Utah. Christy Williams, out.